Why do we need the church? Anybody going to answer that question? Well, we're going to look at that today. It's a good question, and unfortunately, there are many who are deciding that they don't need the church. If you look at numbers or statistics, church attendance in the United States has declined steadily, particularly in the last 20 years. Um, It's just been a steady decline, according to um, the surveys that they take. Of those who say they attend church, um, many of those really don't attend regularly. Um, So the idea of a church attendance... um, Maybe years ago, what that looked like was every Sunday I'm there, more like church attendance now, looks like, well, I might hit it every two or three or maybe once a month, something like that. And those who have committed to be members of a particular congregation has declined even more. Um, The idea of becoming a member of the church and whether that's seen as necessary or good. Well, I don't really know all the reasons exactly why that is. Um, We can look at several things that we know happen as we talk with people. There are those who have had a bad church experience or multiple bad church experiences. And so they're simply not going to go back. Um, There are those who don't feel like it's that relevant to life today. In other words, something maybe that people used to do something that maybe their parents did or grandparents, but for them, it doesn't seem to have any relevance to the life that they're living. And others don't see it necessarily as a priority. They aren't necessarily opposed to going to church, but when push comes to shove, it's easy just not to go. There's the people who talk about the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites, And so I'm not going to like, I don't want to be involved in that or associated with that. And then you have the typical, I don't like, and you can fill in the blank. I don't like the preaching. I don't like the worship. I don't like the songs they pick. I don't like the seats. I don't like the length of the service. You can just go down a list of things that people say they don't like. And many young people um, are deciding, once free of parental control, that it's just not for them. That was my parents' thing. I don't really see it being an important thing for me. There's a group that are going solo. I don't need to go to church. I can just follow God on my own. I don't need to be associated with those other people. I'm just going to do my own thing with God, and that's completely fine for me. The church is messed up. I don't really want to be associated with them. Plus, I don't really want them telling me what to do. So there's probably some in that camp as well. We could talk about others. And you may have your own thoughts on this question, um, maybe that you've thought before or that you've heard from others. So why do, why do I need the church is the question I want to look at. Why do I need LCF? Is it something that I can just kind of take it or leave it? It's something that's optional in my life, like if it's good for me, if I see some value in it, I could do it, but if not, maybe not. Does it matter if I become a member or not? What, what does that matter? Well, I get these questions. I've heard them, 
And I've thought them at different times in my life. So I, I get it. I can see why the church sometimes seems irrelevant, sometimes seems boring, or an old tradition that's kind of served its time, or even downright irritating sometimes. When I was younger, and I would think about these thoughts about the church and maybe why people aren't attending as much, it would lead me to thinking, well, maybe we need to spruce up a few things, fix a few things. Maybe we need some new programs. Maybe we need a new marketing model. Maybe we need different people. Maybe we need a different pastor or whatever it might be to make it more interesting. You get the idea. And of course, those things have their place. I mean, we can always improve, can't we? Whatever we're doing can always be improved. And so those things have a place to improve what we do. We're always kind of looking at how to do that. But the more I read in Scripture of what God intended for the church, the more I think we need an old vision of the church. What Peyton read in Ephesians chapter 4, I think, is simply a beautiful picture of what God intended the church to be. And so, in some way, I feel like we need to keep that vision, or if necessary, recapture that vision about what church is, what it's for, what God designed it to look like. And so, Ephesians 4 is going to be my main text this morning. You can open it if you like and follow. I'm going to read, refer to some of the scriptures in there. But here's the thing. It's, the church is not dependent on new programs or becoming cool, although all of us kind of like to be cool or considered cool. But it's not dependent on that. We can take what we have and we can take who we have and we can accomplish God's vision for the church. It's not something that's always out there that we don't have or somehow we need to find a model or somehow we need to do it like these people are doing it over here. But we can take who we are and what we are and fulfill the vision that God has given us, this beautiful vision that we see in Ephesians 4 for the church. It can be beautiful. And every one of us here has the opportunity to contribute to that end. So I've been casting some vision the past few Sundays. I won't make any excuses about that. And I'm hoping that you and I catch a vision, not a new vision, but an old vision for who we are and what we're about. This is a vision for us here at LCF, and I'm asking all of us here to consider it and to consider joining in that vision. We looked at just Jesus. If you remember that message maybe a month ago, we want to be about just Jesus. And I encourage us, and I'll continue to encourage us, to pull up all the other, quote, signs in our life that we're about that clutter our lives and live for just Jesus. I called us to follow him, to turn off all the other noise in our lives and listen to the word of life and light to feed 
on the Word of God alone. And last Sunday, I asked you to put your hope in no one other than God Himself, to seek Him alone for wisdom and strength and purpose and direction and truth, to pray, to ask God and receive what He has for us, to seek and trust that we will find as He promises us to knock and see the doors opened. And today, I'm asking us to be this beautiful church that is described in Ephesians 4 and in other places in Scripture. I'm asking you to catch an old vision for a new church. And if we're successful in these first three, just Jesus, follow Him, seek Him, then we will be successful in this fourth one. And they're in, a, they're in order here for a reason. Because without the first three, the church is not really going to happen at all. And so, I'm asking us to consider this beautiful church that God desires for us to be. And it will require maybe some reorienting of our thinking about what the church is and about what the Word of God says about it. So what is the church? Maybe a very old question, but it is made up of everyone who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. All of those who believe are the church. And if you believe, then you are the church. You've heard this message before. When you become a believer in and a follower of Jesus, you become a member of the church at that point. You become the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so right away, I think we have to recognize that our view is often messed up significantly. In other words, we aren't deciding whether the church is relevant or whether we even like the church or want to go to the church. But... We're deciding if we're going to engage as part of the church. That's really the question that we're looking at. If, if we follow Jesus, we are the church. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The only, thing, um, the only way to not be a part of the church is to deny Christ completely. If you deny Christ completely, you're not a part of the church. But if you claim to follow Jesus, you are a part of the church. So, it's totally up to you as to how you live out the church. It's not up to somebody else necessarily. So we're not looking at other churches or organizations necessarily. Is that, do I like that? We're looking at how do I live out the church. If you're a believer... You're going to live out what God describes the church to be. And this is really where the rubber hits the road. This is where you live it out, what you say you believe as the church. If you say you believe in him, then you need to live like him. You need to live him out in the church. And that's the title of the message today, is to live him. Live him out in the church. The church is where we see Christ in action. So, 
the question that we want to look at is what is the vision for you, the church? What is God's vision for you? If you're a follower of Jesus, what is his vision for you? We could look at many passages, but this morning we're going to look at Ephesians 4 to reorient ourselves this morning to give us an old vision for a new church. Peyton read the passage already, and I'm going to refer to portions of it. So beginning at the, the, starting at the beginning of that chapter, Paul says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You, as the church, have a calling. Every one of you who claims Jesus, you have a calling. So walk in a manner worthy of this calling. And he goes on to tell us what that looks like. He says in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Once again... Some really beautiful words about what the church should look like. Is this the church? Is this what the church looks like? With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Is this the church? Or more accurately, is this you? Is this me? Is this what I look like as part of the church? Humility, gentleness, patience, all those things. And I like the word that's used here, eagerness. Are you eager to maintain the unity in the spirit of the bond of peace? Are you eager to do your part in maintaining the unity? Sometimes it seems like we feel like that's other people's job, like, to do that. I'm just kind of along for the ride. But here we see each one of us has a responsibility as part of the church to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, are you doing that as the church? Because you are the church. He's talking to each one of us who claim Jesus. It's not whether... I like this church or that church, but am I eager to contribute my part to the church as a whole, to contribute towards what God has called the church to be? Am I eager to contribute my part? Continuing on in verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We clearly see that there is no division in the church. The word one that comes through over and over in these few sentences. One spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and one body. One church emerges from that. It makes sense, doesn't it? Of course, this body is being re- that's being referred to here is the church. We're often called the body of Christ. 
And we'll talk more about this later in this passage. There is no other way but through Jesus. And if we believe in Jesus, we are one in him. We are one with all the believers all over the world. Believers here in this church building, the church across the field here, churches in town, all over the world. We are one with all believers, all those who believe, male or female, slave or free, black or white or brown, whatever denomination, we are one body, the church. And this passage reminds us that we are eager to maintain that unity of that one body through the bond of peace. We are all engaged, actively engaged in this task. There is simply no place for an unengaged church member of the body of Christ. It doesn't make sense if we're to maintain this unity, this oneness that is described here, this vision for what the church should be. And so if you're good at math, you could simply look at this and say one does not equal two or three or ten or twenty or a thousand. One doesn't equal that. One equals one. And so, this unity that is described is for all of us to strive to maintain, to be actively engaged in keeping the church unified. Whenever division happens in the church, it's the opposite of God's plan. And I think we should always recognize that when division happens, it's not God's plan, it's not His idea. For any of us, he intends for us to be one. It happens because of sin, and it's the work and goal of the enemy to separate us. And so, we all recognize, I think, that it's a good amount of work to keep unity among a group of people. And all of us contribute one way or another to that that goal. If we think we can somehow be a follower of Jesus, a follower of God, and be separate from the church, we would be absolutely mistaken. It's simply not possible. It defies the definition of the church. And there are consequences to that kind of thinking, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Verse 11, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now this has become one of my more favorite passages because it kind of explains for me, um, it clarifies for me as a pastor what my job is. And I have to admit, for quite a while I was pretty confused about what exactly my job was. But here he says... The job of the pastors and the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, leaders in the church, their job is to equip the church to do the work of ministry. The church was not really, I don't think, intended for a few professional clergy or staff people to do the work of ministry while everybody else consumes what's happening. It's not God's design for the church. In fact, the leaders, what their job is, is to equip everyone 
to contribute what they have to do the work of ministry. Because the reality is, each one of us just has a few gifts ourselves. They're all different. All of us bring a different piece. And so it would be ridiculous to assume that one small group of people somehow has all of the things necessary for the church that they need to do the ministry. It takes every single person, what, what you bring to the church in order for the church to really be healthy. And so my thinking on this has changed a little bit. My approach to what I'm supposed to do has changed, especially this past year. I've thought a lot about this passage. What is it that I should be doing? I need to be equipping the congregation. I need to be finding what is it that you're good at, what is it that God's called you to, and plug you in, give you the opportunity to contribute what it is that you have. There's a lot at stake here. And the next couple of verses explain. There's a lot at stake. We stopped in mid-sentence here in, um, in verse, three, verse 12. So let's finish Paul's thought. Why is it so important that everyone be equipped for the work of ministry? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So why is it important? Well, one of the main themes that comes out of these verses is the fact that we grow. We grow up when we engage with our gifts and abilities. When we allow ourselves to be equipped to do the ministry. When we do ministry, that's when we grow up. We mature. And I think you could basically take this the other way and say... We will not mature unless we fully engage in the church that we are members of, we became members of when we professed Jesus. We will never be brought to mature manhood or womanhood if we don't engage. We will not mature, but we will remain, remain immature. And these verses say, tossed about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning. In other words, immature unable to really kind of find our way through all the things that are thrown at us in this world. And so maturity comes from the idea that each one of us is engaged in what God has given us to serve the church. Do you want to mature and grow up in Christ? Then you will need to fully engage with your gifts and abilities in the church. You'll need to be able to, you'll need to work at developing that. Maybe you need to find out what it is first. Maybe you don't know what gifts you have or what God's called you to. But finding those, developing them, and then engaging with your gifts to the fullest extent. And then Paul closes this passage here by telling us what that will look like when that happens in verse 15 and 16. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up 
in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I know I've said this several times, but when I see this description of the church, I think it's beautiful what's described here. It is the way that God designed the church to look like. And this is my dream for us as a small group of body of believers here to work this out. To work this out where every single one of us is engaged with our gift, our calling, and serving one another, the body of Christ. When that happens, we're going to grow up. We're going to grow up. We're going to learn from one another. We're going to mature in Christ. And so it's my dream for the church always that we would accomplish the vision that God has given us here. It starts with Jesus. We've already talked about that. Jesus, the head of the church. We must be all about him. We must follow him. We must seek him. And then living it out as the church in oneness, in fellowship, in community, in serving one another, in caring for one another, loving one another so that we become mature in the fullness of Christ. To bring your gift eagerly to serve the body of Christ. Every one of us has an important part to contribute. So how the church is going to be is really up to you. It's up to you. It's not up to somebody else to determine that. It's up to you as a follower of Jesus. What are you going to bring to the church? How are you going to make it look like? What part are you going to contribute I've enjoyed um, being a part of a small group this past year, and it's been interesting. I've enjoyed leading it, but the last couple months, I've thought about this passage and thought, I need to, we need to do a better job of like spreading things out. And so we have one couple who is organizing, like sends all the communication out for our group and tells us like when we're meeting and figures out where we're meeting, who's hosting, all those things. And then we have different people leading. I'm one of three different people that lead the discussion. And just that small adjustment has been a beautiful thing for me. I have benefited tremendously, not just from having less responsibility. That has been a a great thing for me. But just seeing what other people bring. And they bring things that I, I don't bring. Wonderful things. And I think our whole group has benefited from that small adjustment. And I hope we can continue to do that. Just figuring out what people are good at, what God's called them to, and releasing them to take that responsibility. And so I look forward to that happening in our congregation as well. Um, 
Right now, our elders team has been talking about kind of maybe reorganizing how things are done here just a little bit as far as groups. There's, I'll just tell you frankly, there's too many things that I am involved in. And that needs to be spread out. It's not a healthy thing for our church, and it's not a healthy thing for me. And so we've been gradually doing that, asking different people to lead different areas. And we've done some of that already, but I want to see more of that happen. I'm excited about the preaching team that we have going on right now. We have five different guys who are in a preaching class that Reuben is teaching and I'm assisting. And we'll be meeting once a month here through the end of the year. And then next year, uh, we're going to hear from them. So they're going to be in the preaching rotation. I will be preaching less next year. We'll be hearing from young men as they um, put into practice what they're learning in class and explore. Is this something that God has for them to do in the future? An opportunity for them to serve. And so I'm going to be looking at how to do that with each person. I'd like to hear from you. What are your gifts? What is your calling? What has God laid on your heart that you want to do? And how can we help you fulfill that, carry that out in the church? So I'd love to hear from each one of you in that. And if I don't hear from you, I'm probably going to ask you anyway. So, but if there are things that are on your heart this morning, text me, email me, talk to me after church. I would love to hear um, what it is that God is calling you to do. Because he's calling each one of us to be an active part, an engaged part of the church. Some things maybe for you to consider. Um, consider small groups. They're starting up right now. I would, I, like I said, I enjoy being a part of one. I would enc encourage you to consider those. There are flyers in the back, I think, that you can look and um, who, the, who the leaders are. Um, it can be just as simple as being a person who hangs around after church and talks and listens with others or texts people or calls people. Um, or maybe it's joining one of the teams that we have in place already, the buildings and grounds, helping make sure that the grounds are maintained. There are so many different things, ways that God has gifted us that we can serve. And so consider how it is that God might be calling you to be engaged in the work of the church. My goal is to help each of you find your place in the body of Christ. Equipped, tightly connected, where each part is working properly so that the whole body will grow and mature, building itself up in love. What do you think? Can we do that? Amen? Amen.